allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I guess we've got it started here. It's Sovereign Mind, the podcast. Sovereign Mind. the Minds. minds. Well, you know, I was kind of thinking mind. <laughs> of lack thereof. <laughs> Don't look at me. I can't help you guys. What are, what are you saying? <laughs> I think maybe you had um, a lack of oxygen this morning, maybe? Well, you know. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Just like when we were kids and, uh, you know, the choke thing. But uh, <laughs> shall we go back to okay, when we were kids? Mind. Do we really we want to go there? We have a guest. We have a guest. It's it's February twenty eighth. Let me turn up my thing so I can hear you here. I can't hear myself. There we go. February twenty eighth, twenty twenty two. This is Sovereign Minds, the podcast, uh, brought to you by MountaintopMedia.com. Uh, you know, uh, make sure you smash and share, share and like, and you know, we're on all across yeah. to all of the. Uh, all of the platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, pew, pew, uh, Rumble. Maybe on Facebook. <laughs> well, they give us little slots that <laughs> yeah. they edit us on, you know. But uh, uh, So we want to get the algorithms going in our favor out there. So it helps us tremendously if you smash that bell and share. And it doesn't just help us. It helps our guests get out their information that needs to get out to the public and, as well. And today is, I think, an extra special uh, of uh, extra special importance to get this message out there. It's a very important thing that we're going to talk about today. But before we do, let's go ahead and play our music here, and uh, uh, let's uh, let's get the Warrior song yep. out because it's I think it's kind of appropriate today. <laughs> uh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Face is in my sight. Aim with a hand, shoot with a mind, kill 
Yeah, I think we got enough <laughs> enough there. Makes, oh, let's just play it really, the whole hour. Come on. Man. <laughs> I've always loved that song. I th- That's a great song. I think uh, actually that was actually I, uh, the first time I listened to that, I didn't realize it, but that, I think that might have been Lee Ermey making the calling there, you know, which is kind of an interesting uh, deal. But uh, we have a special guest. I don't know why I'm not hearing in my cans here very well today. There we go. Uh, we have a special guest with us today, Will Austin is how it's pronounced? Uh, Austin. Yeah. Austin. Oh, okay. Uh, Will Austin, and he is from uh, Ark. What is it? Uh, what do we got? Ark, Ark that, of Justice. Ark of yes. Justice. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, and there's a website there that goes with that. And uh, I'm pulling but it up. But you have to do Ark of Justice US dot. USA. USA. Oh, USA. That's right. Yeah. Org. Ar- yeah. Ark of Justice, Justice USA. USA dot org. Yes. And, uh, you know, I was looking at your bio, and wow, you know, like I said during the, before we started, you got a lot of fruit salad on your chest somewhere. <laughs> but uh, well, first of all, before we get started, I want to thank you for your service. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for having me, you guys. I would, I would thank you, but, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm like, uh, I hated it while I was there. <laughs> I don't want to be thanked. Leave me alone. <laughs> well, he must not have hated it too much or something because with all of the things that he did. Yeah, I, 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 I love my 12 years. I did. I, I See, mean, yeah, there's times where you have to embrace the suck, as we say. Yeah, that's, right? <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Yep, absolutely. You know what Whoa. I'm talking about. Anytime they say training, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, some people adapt really well and some people don't. I wasn't one of those guys that adapted really (laughs) well. Uh, But, you know, uh, you're a major retired? Yes. Okay. And so I was looking at your bio and, man, it's pretty impressive, you know, the SEER training and special forces and, you know, we've got bronze stars and, uh, you know, I don't want to go on too much about all that stuff. but, uh, But maybe you could give us a little background. I mean, how did you end up, you know, for me... You say you're an attorney, and you went airborne, and I'm thinking, you know, the first thing they ask is, you want to go airborne? And it's like, why would I ever jump out of a perfectly good freaking plane? That's right. You know? <laughs> and being an attorney, I'm talking everybody else into jumping out, you know? <laughs> That's right. So so tell us a little bit about what happened. Yeah, sure. So uh, I grew up um, outside of New York City. My dad worked in Manhattan for over 20 years. He was there on 9-11. Uh, I had a wonderful upbringing, very patriotic, loving parents, and uh you know, we'll kind of fast forward uh, to 9-11. So I had just gotten married in July of 2001. And, of course, you know, Oops. 9-11 happened. Yeah. So I was ready to join, you know, right then. And uh, some of my advisors, you know, just said, hey, the wars are going to be over with before you get through boot camp. Because at the time, what, you know, the paradigm was was the Gulf War in 93, which Boy, that, was over in a matter of months. That right. that didn't age well, did it? <laughs> no, it didn't, right? <laughs> So I so I'd been accepted to uh, Pepperdine Law School, and they were like, "Listen, you should you just need to go, and uh, you know, listen, if the wars are still going on, you still want to serve, then you can." And so, of course, you know, we invaded Iraq in two thousand three, right? 
So for me, the the real impetus was, um, and maybe maybe you guys will remember uh, this gentleman named Pat Tillman. Who, I do. Yeah. Great. Who did yep. he play for? It was the, the Cardinals. Cardinals. The Arizona yeah. Cardinals. So for your listeners, he was an NFL football star who gave up a three million everything three million dollar contract <laughs> and his life yeah. and his life. Yep. So yeah. he he enlisted in the Army Rangers, you know, to make like twenty grand a year. Deployed to Afghanistan, was killed in a friendly fire incident. Uh, I believe it was on April 22nd, 2004. And so I was at Pepperdine, and Pepperdine is like, you know, on the in Malibu overlooking the I Pacific Ocean. Say, I know somebody else that graduated from Pepperdine as an attorney. Yeah. And it's a pretty pre- prestigious school, but it's a very. Uh, uh, Malibuish uh, yeah. Southern Cal thing. It's a it's a tier one top law school, but it's always ranked like number one for like campus beauty or beautiful right. campus, like you know U.S. News and World Report. So, hey, somebody has to suffer at law school, so it might as well it's be a, me. It's right? a dangerous <laughs> job. Someone's got <laughs> to do it. Do it. <laughs> so uh, when you were there at Pepperdine, you know, not the. Go too fast here, but yeah. uh, what was your uh, expertise? Uh, tort law, criminal prosecutions. What were you doing? So, so in law school, you don't major in something. But what I gravitated towards uh, for my electives was constitutional law. I see. Uh, at the time, Ken Starr was the dean when I went there, um, and he, of course, is like a major constitutional law expert. Uh, so I actually got to take some First Amendment classes with him, and then I was so drawn to kind of just the political world that I ended up doing a joint degree there. So I got a master's in public policy and international relations from Pepperdine as well as my Juris Doctor um, because at the time that I was there I still didn't expect to join the military so and here I thought you were smart <laughs> yeah, I totally did it I totally did it the wrong way quote unquote you know some people they go to West Point get their education paid for and then they actually join the military right. serve for four years and then they get picked up and the military will pay for them to go to law school and pay for them to um you know, they'll pay them a full salary while they go through right. law school. Right. And so I did it the opposite. Like, I actually, it was like during a, a time where they weren't, you know, repaying loans. I was in this like very small niche where like I paid for everything back to Pepperdine and, you know, I just joined for pure patriotism. That's, that's fine. You know, it is what it is, but it wasn't very smart financially. But <laughs> <laughs> well, being a, sometimes being a patriot's not necessarily smart. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, uh, a, we don't always do the things and, and the steps that we're supposed to. It, we kind of, exactly. It's interesting and not to drop any names, but I mean, got my curiosity. Yeah. So, so I know somebody who graduated from Pepperdine and the same uh, constitutional attorney about the same time. And I got to ask, you wouldn't happen to know Jamie Cantori, would you? I don't. And so for me, one of the downsides of doing the joint degree is, you know, you end up like being off with your class. So the guys I went into Pepperdine with my first year of law school, then my second year, I went into the master's program. And so then your first year cohort kind of goes on and then you're jumping back and forth and you don't really get to like knowing. I, I, I knew it was a, you know? I knew it was a long shot, but yeah. it would have cra- been weird. It would have been. Yeah. Yeah. No, there was like only, and this was new in Pepperdine. There's only like a few of us who did these joint degree programs. Some guys did an MBA uh, with their law degree. And so those guys, you know, there's like five or six of them. Those guys I've remained close with because we were kind of, you know, right on the outs but uh so i was in pepperdine when pat tillman was killed and the only way that i can describe it to you guys is that i felt really convicted you know i was a relatively young man and we're in two theaters of war and here's this football player giving up three million dollars yeah. to serve and i had done nothing right and so 
I decided, you know, I actually like started crying and, you know, went back to, you know, our little little dorm room that my wife and I shared. And I just said, hey, I have to join the military right. as soon as I graduate. And, you know, a lot of people were like, you're crazy. You're going to have two hundred thousand dollars in debt. You're going to make thirty thousand dollars as a first lieutenant. Like, what are you doing? But I, it didn't matter. Like, I just had to serve. And at that point, I had only anticipated just doing my initial three year commitment and then going on to do something else. But as you alluded to in the beginning, I loved it. Like right. so, so I loved it, and I got, uh, I deployed right away. So I didn't, I didn't join to get into the courtroom like most JAG attorneys. Right. Um, the, it's it's advantageous to you because you get to practice federal litigation like almost right away. Where if you go join a big firm, maybe like five years until you're getting to do that. But they throw you into a federal courtroom right away. So that's part of the draw of it. But I was like, I want to get to war. Like I want to be an operation. It's different in combat too. Everything yes. is 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 what I hear. It's, not that I've ever been there, but it is. You it's know, like, I've talked to a lot of combat vets. Yes. You know, and they. Mm -hmm. It's not like the same set of rules when you're stateside. No, it's exactly right. So there's actually something called a domestic operational law, and it's totally different than rules of engagement, international law of armed conflict when you're in a combat. So zone. the UCMJ Military Code of Justice applies on. Uh, you know, UCM, UCMJ, UCMJ does still apply but wherever the, the service member but is. But there's a separation as a combat unit as opposed to a stateside unit? Uh, for UCMJ, it applies wherever you are you okay. know, around the world. But, so. then, but then the separation is just policy by the commanders, or is it just because you're in a combat zone? And you're not gonna, you know, play by the same rules. Yeah. So we, so we did have, um, you know, a court set up. So I deployed in Baghdad in uh, 20, 2008, 2009, and then Kandahar 2012, 2013. And we did have courtrooms set up there. But most of the time, you know, when you're in combat, you don't want to be dealing with like a stressful court martial. So right. you do end up sending the accused back to the rear, I back see. to stateside. Um, but UCMJ touches everything everywhere. Okay. I see. I, I was wondering that it would depend on where you're deployed and w what is all going on at the time, correct? Yep. To yep. Wh how it would be handled. Right. Because if you're in the middle of combat, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's different. It's like yeah. when I was in basic, uh, my all my sergeants were all combat vets, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they'd all been together in Vietnam. And, right. you know, so there was a, you know, a, a esprit de corps, if you will, or Absolutely. a camaraderie, you know, camaraderie. Absolutely. Between those guys that you just don't see it on Absolutely. people who haven't wow. been there. Yeah. And it's interesting for at least the Army. Uh, so on our fatigue uniforms, um, you know, you have like two patches. So you wear your current unit patch on the left sleeve. And then on the right sleeve is where you wear what's called your combat patch. Right. And so if you don't have a combat patch in that right slide, you, they call you a slick sleeve. And that's a derogatory term. <laughs> and it means you've never deployed. So like everybody right. in the army knows, have you deployed to combat or right. not? Um, and it just gives you instant credibility. So I deployed with 10th Mountain Division Light Infantry, which is an elite uh, regular army that's infantry unit. They're legendary. Uh, so the, I was just going to say the 10th Mountain. How did you end up in the 10th? <coughs> So, so I asked, so as soon as I, so when you become a JAG, you have to pass, you know, a bar exam in a licensed state because you do have to be a real attorney and not just like stay at the Holiday Inn Express right. last night, right? So, <laughs> so you have to pass an accredited, ABA accredited law school, pass a bar, and then you go to JAG military training on the University of Virginia's law school campus for like basically a semester and you learn military law. And that's when then the assignment process comes up. So while I was there, they said if you get up like early at 4 a.m. and try out for airborne or air assault school, you know, you'll get a chance to go to one of these schools. So that's how I ended up. You know, I was 29 years old. I was older. 
but I just I'm a very competitive person, and I'm like, if I'm doing this, I want to be all in, and be I want the best. Wow. I yeah. want to be part of the best. So I secured a slot to uh, airborne training, passed airborne, and then they were like, well, nobody wants to go to upstate New York, Fort Drum, because it's like 30 below zero up there. It's freezing, and that's where the 10th Mountain Division is. And by the way, after you get up there, they're going to deploy in four weeks to Baghdad. And I was like, that's where I want to go. Wow. So wow. so my wife and I, you know, went up so, there. So so I'm now getting that not only I'm not sure how smart you are, but you're also <laughs> a little crazy. I am a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I am. What did your wife think when you came yeah, home and so, told her, hey, so, this is what I'm going to do? I'll, I'll tell you, man. I, I, I just married so far above myself. I mean, J- Jennifer, so we've been married for over 21 years now. Nice. And... Uh, there's only two things, two of my crazy ideas she's ever said no to. I wanted to buy a motorcycle, and I would probably kill myself, so she said no to that. Um, and then uh, after airborne school, I tried to get into something called Halo, which is like high altitude, low opening. So right, I know right, what you're yeah, like extremely dangerous. Yeah. And she's like, you're a JAG attorney. You do not need to be going to Halo school. So I was like, all right. But everything else, she's been like, wow, okay. Wow, that's Yeah. That's so she's, she's cool. co-partner, co-adventurer with me, and she is... Uh, we can maybe talk about this a little bit more later, but she is an Elizabeth Dole fellow, uh, caregiver fellow. So she mm. was selected. She's actually a much bigger deal than I am. She was selected by Senator Elizabeth Dole to represent the entire state of South Carolina for her foundation. Wow, wow. very nice. Um, very dynamic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So so she's been on board with me. You know, she was an amazing army wife for 12 years. And so when I was, uh, you know, in Baghdad for 12 months, you know, in the we have we have like pictures of the uh, temperature gauge in Baghdad. It's like 120 when I'm standing outside and then it's like back at Fort Drum and it's like negative 15. So I'm just going like, to say you're going from the <laughs> icebox yeah. to, the, to the oven. You yeah. know, I yeah. mean, yeah. Yeah. You could move to Reading. You'd fit right in here. Yeah. <laughs> I actually like have been loving it out here. The air and just the view of Mount Shasta. It's just right. beautiful. But um so I I uh served as an operational international law attorney for 10th Mountain. I did really well. Uh and and what that means is so I'm in I'm in what's called the Division Operations Center. So you have like all these big uh, plasma TV screens and you have live feeds from Predator drones. Uh, so while troops are in contact, we get a mm. live feed. And then the um, what's called the CHOPS, the Chief of Operations, infantry guy is looking at me and I'm listening to everything going on with the ground force commander. And then he's saying, okay, judge, what can we do? Which means, like, what kind of munitions can we use? Run a collateral damage estimate in your head. Can I call on a British Hellfire? So you, you have know, to wow. know the rules of engagement. I, you, have, you, have very, to know, you have to know it like the back of your hand because right. you don't have time to, like, oh, let me, let me check, sir. Let me look it up. Everything is real time and every second in combat counts. Wow. And so... That was, I was never, I did do some time in the courtroom. I was what's called a trial counsel, a prosecutor, and I was average, maybe below average. That wasn't my thing, but I was a damn good operational international law attorney. And so after my time, so even like the two-star general at 10th Mountain would like take me out, you know, outside the wire with him sometimes. And, you know, uh, he's the one that actually wrote me a letter of recommendation to get into Pathfinder school, which ended up, that's like an elite special ops school. From Pathfinder to SEER? And then, so Pathfinder to a special Green Beret Special Forces unit right. to be their JAG. And that's when I went to SEER school. So that's survival, invasion, wow. resistance, and escape. But I want to step back just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. On the, it really tells me the level of communication on the battlefield. Because if you got your attorney clearing what you're going to do while you're on the battlefield in combat, 
I mean, that speaks to a whole new level of warfare. It yeah. does. And, I, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't even know... If it's a good idea, even though that was my job, you know, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Yeah, I'm skeptical yeah, because I yeah. mean, good grief. Yeah, uh, with with that, I mean, when you're out there, I mean, you you got to be tentative. That's exactly right. And so there there is a lot of controversy around this. Um, you know, where where it sprung up from was the uh, the the Miley massacre in Vietnam with William Cowley. So right. mm-hmm. yeah, uh, he was lieutenant. a second yes. he was yeah. a second lieutenant yeah. who massacred a bunch of civilians. Yes. And so after that, you know, the military was like, we can never have something like this happen again. And so they they inserted JAGs, you know, into the combat role to to be an extra level of conscience. And so it can, if you don't have a good now, ultimately, it's not my call. It's the commander's call. Right. I'm an advisor. So like they can say, go pound sand, JAG. And rightly so, because the commander's responsible for everything that happens on the battlefield. But if you have a good JAG, and that's why I wanted to do all these things, Airborne School and SEER School, because I wanted to like know their world as much as I could so that I could be the best possible combat JAG I could. Because what's it all about? It's all about killing as many of the enemy we yeah, can lawfully right. and protecting the guys. Protecting the right. guys. So like, you well, know. Well, combat's got, it's just got to be crazy to begin with. It's nuts. I mean, it is. Yeah. It, it's got to be nuts because you're out there, you're fighting, uh, you know, for your, literally for your life against people who are trying to take your life yep. and now you're supposed to uh, be tentative and careful about how you do that yeah well i would so i would say so when i was a jag they weren't when i was the jag for 10th mountain and also for um so i, I served with navy seal team five and then green berets from first battalion seventh group special forces at a special ops task force in kandahar and they were never tentative with me as their jag because when i would give my roe briefs rules of engagement briefs to them i would say it's no- clear Nothing, nothing in the ROE or the international law of armed conflict hinders your right at self-defense. Okay. Nothing. And I will never, ever give advice where, like, if you're in a dangerous scenario and, like, maybe maybe I don't know everything on the ground. You know, maybe maybe the word didn't get back to me. There's nothing that I would say to the commander. Like, even if something goes wrong and there's civilian casualties, there's nothing that I would say if you felt like your life was in self-defense. Right. You know, if you use lethal that, force. But, but, but I would think that you're one of a kind with that now. Is all JAGs that way? Do not, you think? Not, not all JAGs, but would, uh, I, I would think most most JAGs are from my experience. But, are they? But not, not all JAGs are cut out to be with elite what, what units. They are. Like, yeah. And so some some JAGs, you know, should just remain in the courtroom. Some JAGs should just do administrative law. Right. You know, like there's all different kinds of JAGs. Right. But there are a lot that I served with that were really good. Now I'll tell you one of the best things. Uh, so when I was medically retired after 12 years, uh, one of the best things that was ever said to me was by some of the green berets that I served with. Cause my wife like contacted him and was like, Hey, Bill's sick. You know, Will's sick. He's getting medically retired. Um, write something to him. And so, you know, some of the former green berets and the uh, basically the chops uh, in, in Kandahar, uh, and so he was the he, I was a captain at the time. He was a Green Beret major, and so him and I would like always discuss all these things. And you know, you're part of the planning operation, and right. then obviously the execution. And so uh, he said, "There was nobody better than Will at protecting the guys that I ever have served with." Well, that's, wow, that's and, nice. and that wow. was like the highest awesome. praise. And then he also went on after that deployment to serve like a year later in Kabul. And he didn't have a good jag, and they actually. But that jag, interestingly enough, was not a no person. He was a yes man. So there's actually sometimes where he should have been like, "Hey, 
this this is a little bit harebrained and there's right. going to be some like unnecessary civilian casualties. Let's find, so what I would try and do is I'd be like, okay, here's the mission set. We can't do it lawfully the way that you want, but I'm going to get to yes. Let's do it this way, and that will protect us, protect the guys, mm-hmm. and protect our reputation. You know, from civcast. Sure. So he was in Kabul, and he had a yes man Jag who was intimidated because the Green Berets, Navy SEALs, they're intimidating. You, you know, think, they can you, be. You think? I, I yeah. Would imagine so. <laughs> and and so he actually, I saw him a couple of years later. This is before I retired. I heard this like booming voice. Austin, you know, so he's like, we're going out to lunch. <laughs> and at that lunch, they had a ton of unnecessary civilian casualties in Kabul. And like he got investigated, he got in a lot of trouble. And so he was like, I'm just so grateful that like you spoke the truth to me and you found ways for us to complete the mission with protecting the guys. Right. And so I'm like super proud of that. Like, I don't think I'm a Green Beret. You I'm not a special be. operator, you know, but I played my role, you know, my small role in the battlefield to protect our guys. And we kill, we, I was part of the, what they call the kill chain and we killed a lot of bad guys over there. And I have no compunction about that. And I'm very proud of it. Wow. So. Wow. Amazing. That's yeah. amazing stuff right there. I mean, that, that's yeah. stuff that you would never hear or know about unless you're sitting and talking with somebody like, right. well, yeah. because yeah, well, most, they, uh, they, they don't even let that, you know, well, my experience with most combat veterans that I've known, and I've known a few, uh, is they don't want to talk about any of it, they, right? You know, they don't want to even go there because it's either too painful or, or for whatever reason. Well, it and, depends to what they were doing, you know, because I I've talked to quite a few too, and some are just yeah. Well, if they're her, a real high level. They they don't want to talk about it at all. Her her husband's. Uh, uh, brother was was a lerp in, in Vietnam, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, he's yeah. a pretty interesting guy. Yeah, long range <laughs> reconnaissance. Yeah. yeah, those guys are awesome. Yeah, I mean he's a little tiny man, and, a, you, know, and you would never yeah, know he's, he's, he's done anything like that. Yeah. But he does not like to talk about it at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I and you know I mean for me, you know I and I understand that because and I want to be clear here. So I went outside the wire several times, and in the nature of warfare today, there are no front lines. So anytime you're outside the wire, there could be like a roadside bomb or an explosively formed projectile that you're takes on your, your life. Own. You're on, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of danger. But I'm also not at the level, you know, where I am a Navy SEAL kicking down the door. Like I right. never, I never did that as part of my service. Um, so guys who, you know, I was around death and dismemberment. I saw it. Um, you know, and th- those are things I actually don't like to talk about because that does to start right. to make me tear yeah. up. And it's actually the smells of war uh, that you remember the most. So, like, if you're around, uh, so I, I saw like a car accident like five or six years ago, and that went to help you know the girl, and and you could smell like the burning flesh, and that like brought everything back. It was wow. interesting. It wasn't the sights; it was the smell. Hmm. Um, but. You know, these guys who are doing the door-to-door stuff and, like, the really hard work, which is, like, a very minuscule percentage of the Army, you know, the infantry guys, they're unbelievable. They're unbelievable. They always say out of 100 guys, there's maybe 10 real fighters and one warrior. Yeah. 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 And And, I mean, I have so I have so much respect for like the infantry guys, you know, the the Marines and Army infantry guys and, of course, our special operations warriors who – I mean, when I was with SEAL Team 5 and I would, you know, go meet with the commander and they would come back from a capture-kill mission and they would tell me about it, I was just like, you guys, you guys are unbelievable. Right. I mean, unbelievable. So I'm not that. I want to make right. that clear. You sure. know, out of humility. Uh, 
but I was still in danger downrange. But you were working with those guys. I was working with them, so it was a great great honor. But I always like to make that delineation whenever we get into this much detail. Some of those guys are rough, hard men. They are. And uh, that's what you need to protect your country sometimes. I mean, uh, I think it's a necessity. Uh, you know, we we you know we've got the army and the, the the military right now. You know, I mean, you know, if you if you take your eyes off what's important in the military as opposed to gender studies or whatever, yep. you know, and and con- if you don't concentrate on the real deal in in in, in the service, uh, you end up with a, a army that's not going to do the job well. I but, totally agree. So, but at the same time, it takes the whole team. It does. Like what you were doing behind the scenes, so to speak, with the guys that are actually, you know, engaged in the fight. Yep. So let's and, talk and the protection. I mean, that's so that's let's, very important. So let's talk about seer training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about it. <laughs> talk talk so, about triggering bad memories. So 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 how, so I, I have images of uh, crawling through uh, mud and eating uh, poison ivy. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so whenever <laughs> so I know I, I'm not that far off, right? <laughs> yeah, you're not, man. So whenever I talk seer, um, you know, I always have to be careful because they make us like sign this like non-disclosure agreement, right. you know, about training methods. But right. there's a lot of stuff out public source, so that's what I talk about. So for those uh, who don't know, so seer stands for S E R E, survive, evade, resist, escape, and uh, there's different like the ser- there's different services that do different levels of seer school. And this is kind of where I guess like the, the, you know, the brotherhood camaraderie trash talk comes in because like what I did was the Green Beret SEER school for okay. Green Berets going through the qualification so there's course. So there's different levels the, so, of the SEER training. So, you know, the Air Force guys listening to this are going to get mad at me, but we call them the Chair Force and their <laughs> SEER school is a vacation on the beach compared to what we went through, what I went through. <laughs> I'm sure they'll say the same about SEER. Some, well, yeah, you will. know, it's a constant Some things like never there. change. Some yeah. things never change. <laughs> Come on, Air Force people. So, I got a lot so of when we first you. started this program, he was saying, well, I don't know why you, you wanted to jump out of airplanes and stuff. Now I know you must be absolutely crazy on one aspect to want to do that well, when you're a lawyer, well, you know, a JAG, and then go to that. Yeah, I mean, know? I can picture him going out <laughs> the door like, going, I'll see you in court! Yeah, yeah with my briefcase here, I'm going to go, you know, low crawl in the mud, you know? <laughs> So I do have a great airborne school but then we'll story and then we'll get back to because I am I am a little this is one of the craziest things I've ever done. So when I went to airborne school, I had contacts and uh, I was not at the safety brief at the you know initial entry where they said, Hey, you cannot jump with contacts, you have to wear glasses. Oh, no. Just fly out of your eyes? What? Well, I think they get concerned, yeah, you know, and they, they you know, just for whatever pressure. reason. Yeah. So, so I am getting ready. So I go through the three weeks of training. I'm getting ready for my first jump. You're all like three whole weeks. Yeah. Three whole weeks of contacts. <laughs> so I, 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 I'm like, and if once you're about to get ready to jump, like, so you have all this like harness on the jump masters come by and they like, you know, strap it down hard and you're just yeah. sitting there. And so then the Sergeant major starts and we're, there's like literally hundreds of us paratroopers in training in this huge bay sitting on Where, you know, what uh, fort was this? At? Uh, this was uh, Fort Benning. It's Fort Benning. Home, home that's, of the airborne. That's what I yeah, figured. Yeah. yeah. So um, Sergeant Major comes through. Uh, they call him the Black Hats. You know, they wear a black baseball cap, and he's like, "If any of you, you know, MFers have contacts in, I'm gonna UCMJ you, Article 15." And I, <laughs> I turn to my buddy, and I'm like, "John, like, am I?" And he's like, "Dude, didn't you listen to the safety brief?" I'm like, "No, man," because I was like dealing with something else. <laughs> 
And I was like, oh my. So I had, to, and I'm blind as a bat, you know, without glasses. And so I had a decision to make. Like, do I take out my contacts? Do I try? Because he's he's the black hat's walking down. He's like looking at our eyeballs. <laughs> he, yeah, he's watching you. Know? you. He's and like close your eyes when you're jumping out the plane. What a terrible story that like the jag gets like UCMJ. Oh yeah, for, I can you see know, that. Like, yeah. can so you, what are they going to yeah. send you over to CCF or what? <laughs> I, 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 yeah, so, so, you know your career's over, buddy. So so I'm like, all right. And this guy actually, so John Stewart, uh, this guy actually left the Jag Corps to become a Green Beret. He's one of my heroes. Um, so I'm like, John, like, if I take out my contacts, can I trust you to hook me up in the plane? Because you got to like hook up, hook up, jump oh, yeah. up, shuffle, up. So shuffle to the door. door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's like, no, dude, like this is our first jump. I'm like, I am not going through three weeks of airborne. <laughs> and like, like this is I, this is so army. This is so. And this was a but the I can't see to hook up. This was the, one of the dumbest things I ever did. But I was like, I don't know. It was just testosterone overload. I was like, I am going to get my jump wings. So I took out my contacts. Couldn't see. So just basically stayed on Stuart six. He hooked me up, and uh, you know it, it actually like helped me being blind. You know, jumping right. out of the plane. I think so. Um, <laughs> you know, white. You cane. can really be afraid if you can't see what's going <laughs> exactly. on. You know what I mean? It well, was beautiful. You know, the one thing I got out of my service was this: uh, a an extra supply of. Uh, Coyones. <laughs> That's right. The, the one thing that you get out of basic AIT yeah. is, you know, and it's kind of stupid in a way yeah. when you think about it is you become not afraid of pretty much anything. That's exactly right. And 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 they do it on purpose, obviously, because when you go into combat, if you're out there shaking in the shivering in your, in your in your foxhole or something, you're useless. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but that's why that's such a good story because it's like, I'm going no matter what, you know, I'm going blind, you know, see you in court. <laughs> well, and at that point, you know, you've gone through like three weeks of miserable training, you know, right? and I just, I'm like, man, I paid a price. Like I am not throwing away the price that I paid. I am getting, I'm not going to give up. Yeah. I'm not going to give up. And anybody who hasn't been in training doesn't really understand yes. what you just said, right? Because it's a freaking, it's almost a nightmare. No, it's more. It's the suck. It's embrace the suck. <laughs> it's embrace the suck. <laughs> um, all right. So Sears School. So I actually didn't really volunteer for this. They say that I did. <laughs> so was I go back to the contacts? <laughs> did they say, okay, buddy? Uh, we know what you yeah. did. Here you this go. Is one of those things where everybody steps back? <laughs> no. So it's like this is like three years after Airborne. So I'm I'm about six months in as the JAG to the this Green Beret unit. And you know, I'd already I'd already served and deployed with Tenth Mountain, you know, and had like two star general, you know, letters of recommendation, Pathfinder. Right. So I thought going in, okay, I'm good, you know, like my resume is set. But it wasn't, you know, you just have to prove yourself at a whole Again. new level, and over and uh, over, over and over, yeah. every day. And the yeah. only easy day was yesterday, you know, that's what they say. And uh, so the commander at the time, um, now my my eventual commander colonel uh, patrick halton i'm very close with served with him for two out of the three years he's amazing but my commander before him uh was a little bit of a difficult personality and he wanted another jag uh to come to the unit but he doesn't control that and so it was me so i was already like persona non grata when i showed up we so, called him asshole <laughs> <laughs> yeah ex exactly uh so uh the executive officer came to me one day in my office and was like uh hey um, the battalion commander wants you to go to Sear School, and I honestly like I, you know, I knew kind of what Sear School was, but I was like, okay, you know, like how long is it? And he's like, three weeks, 
And so I was like, oh, I had like some courts marshals coming up and I'm like, all right, well, all right, sir, you know, I'll do it. And this is like in December of 2010. So it's like super cold. And this is in the bowels of Fort Bragg, North Carolina. So uh, I was like, all right. So then I told my JAG supervisors and they were like, you will not go to the Green Beret school. Like they actually like do really <laughs> bad things to you there. <laughs> You make, they make you eat eat stuff that you you wouldn't normally eat. They they call it camp slappy. We'll just keep it at that. All right. They can lay hands on you. And uh, I just I just decided like so I started talking to some of the the team guys you know the Green Beret teams, and their their eyes got big you know and they because they the Green Beret goes through almost two and a half years of training to become a Green Beret. It's like right. the best military training in the world. So Ranger School is three months. Um, I think Navy SEAL buds. I'm not sure how long that takes, but it's. I think it's less. It's eight, than a week, year. eight weeks. Eight weeks. I think yeah, it's eight yeah, weeks. Yeah, eight weeks. Yeah. So, so to become a Green Beret, you have to go through like five different phases, two and a half years of training. That's a lot. Wow. It's That's a, a lot. lot. It's a long a pipeline. And, and you're considered in training that whole time. That whole that whole oh time you're in training. You're in tra no, trade off. Yeah. No, no. No wonder those guys are tough when they come. Yeah. Out. And each segment, you know, has like a different. So one of those segments, you know, you're they're learning a different language, you know, because they're the warrior scholars. So they're. Right. Um, they're using their minds and their bodies, but they call the crown jewel of the two and a half years is Sears school, uh, because its purpose is to put you in such a state of absolute hell that if you do get captured by the enemy, it's not any worse. This is exactly right. Yeah. So you'll the, the the purpose is so that you can return with honor. So you don't break under torture or interrogation, and it gives you the tools to wow. return with honor. So it was literally the like worst three weeks of my life, <laughs> but also the best three weeks of my life. Because I'll tell you guys, like I came out of there, and I had when I went to Afghanistan a couple years later, I had so much more confidence when right. I went outside the wire. So when I was in Iraq, I'd been in the army for like less than a year, you know, and I'm very green, no ROTC, no West Point, just like direct commission officer out of Pepperdine, you know, a very nice Mal Malibu-esque, you know, soft living. He's a surfer guy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and I am, I like to surf, you know, so like the surfers in Baghdad and I can remember being outside the wire there and like going towards Sadr City, which was, you know, there was some dangerous stuff and getting stuck in like a rhino vehicle and just thinking like, oh my God, please help me. I do not want to, you know, make a mistake with my weapon or shoot an innocent so when you civilian. So when you say rhino vehicle, what are you talking about? Humvee? Yeah, no, so it's a great question. So a rhino vehicle, they took like basically, I think a school bus and then they up armor it. So it's mm. like an up armored school bus. So it's actually the worst vehicle that you can be riding in because... If so, in this instance, so it's not, it's like a Winnebago conversion. It, it's terrible. <laughs> yes. So it's like not very mobile. So in this instance, we had some possible hostile actors coming towards us as right. we're going towards Sauter City. So the driver tries to get over a median. Well, because it's a stinking school bus, it gets stuck, stuck. on the median. So, <laughs> <I> like, <centered. laughs> so that, that was like one you of the scariest bell, moments. You just bail, you bail, right? So at that at that point we had like a like about a squad get out and like dislodge it and then we had oh. our interpreter get out too and calm down the people and we got on our way with that incident. Um, but I just remember being so afraid. Now you fast forward to Afghanistan post year school training, and then you know like I'm playing songs like at the beginning of this thing and I'm not like let the bodies hit the floor like right, I'm, right, I'm freaking right. Rambo I'm ready. No I'm not Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> but but you get you go through such hell and suffering and you acquit yourself well and then so it imbues you with confidence. It doesn't I, you know, absolutely it internalizes yeah. that not no it, fear. It does. And yeah. the great thing about that too is that because I was in the pipeline with other Green Berets in training, <laughs> so we matriculated together, you know, to Afghanistan 
And so then I forget how many A teams we had out there, uh, but let's just say for I, I think maybe we had like twelve A teams spread around southern Afghanistan. And so when I would go out and meet with like them at their what's called village stability platform, I had been through about like five of the A team leaders. We had been through Seer School together, right? And so wow. like they had seen me in Seer School and how I acted. And I'm not selfish. I'm taking care of you know the buddies. I'm going to take right. a beating. So like the buddies having a hard time, and I had instant credibility with them. And you don't have to like you don't get to wear something on your uniform when you go through Seer School. It's called you wear it on your heart. And right. It's not like a medal or a combat patch, but they know. So that gave me so much credibility with these guys, and it's just taught me so much about the value of suffering and leadership. And so it was all. I've worth always it. Wow. said there's purity in suffering. There and is, and people do not understand <laughs> that a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like I don't welcome suffering. I don't look for it. But, but it, when life presents it. I, I do, you know, I, I, I don't try and just uh, go into the victim mentality. I'm like, okay, there's something to be learned here. Absolutely. And this is going to make me stronger. This is going to forge the steel it's, even it's harder. It's not what happens to me. It's how I react. It's exactly right. What happens. That's all you me. can control. Yeah. So would yeah. you do it all again? I would. I would do it. I, I would do it all again. Now it's confirmed. <laughs> it's, it's confirmed. <laughs> He's absolutely crazy. He's off the charts. He's lost his mind. I, I don't want to do it again, but like if I had to do it again for some reason, my body is much more broken now uh, with the diseases I'm battling from Afghanistan, but I would hope it's a mental game. You know, it's not you know, as much if, physical. It's if, a mental right. game. If I had you know? to go back to basic training, they'd have to tie me to a Jeep <laughs> and drag me through it. <laughs> so, so you don't regret, really, what you did and what you experienced no. and everything that you went yeah. through. No, I'm super grateful for it. And, uh, you know, maybe to kind of shift gears here, like, into into the illness and, like, the Arc of Justice origin story. Right. So, so when I was in Afghanistan on that deployment, um, so this 2012-2013, they think I was exposed to some something that they call an environmental toxin. Mm, so like an agent orange type thing. Or exactly. Yeah. So, um, they're, they're, uh, the military at the time, terrible mistake. So them and Halliburton were burning. Gee, that's a good combination, yeah. huh? Right. Son of a bitch. They were burning trash and feces in burn pits. Well, that was releasing carcinogenic mm -hmm. and toxic air. Were they putting chemicals yeah. on it or something to do I, it? Like, I think like all kinds of stuff was going yeah. on. I'm not sure about that, but like the That'd stuff. That'd be my guess. I mean, that's what those guys do, you know? They, they might have been doing that for like accelerants to burn, right. but even without that, um, and there's there's a book out about this. I think it's called The Burn Pits or something like that. I, I wish I could pull it off the top of my head, but it's all coming out now. It's actually, there's a separate organization called, a nonprofit called Burn Pits 360. They've been working for 10 years, guys, to pass burn pits legislation because what happens is the VA will not give people with all these mysterious illnesses like that I have a presumption in favor of us right. you know, that it comes from there. You'd think it'd be the other way around. You would think oh, it would yeah. be the but other way around. Totally. So th this is actually like, I, I think one of the, it, it is, it's like a, this generation's Agent Orange. It's it's mm -hmm. a huge uh, problem. So anyways, we don't know, we can't tie for exactly, did it come from the burn pits? Did it come from bad goat stew I ate? Is there something in the air or in the dust in Afghanistan itself? Because 
I was diagnosed with a very rare in the West rheumatological blood-based illness called Bichette's disease, mm. which is indigenous to the East. So the world's like greatest like Bichette's uh, medical center is in the country of Turkey. Oh, so wow. like Middle Eastern men along the old Silk Road get Bichette's a well, lot. It could be anything. Though. It could be totally yeah. anything. So we don't yeah. know. Uh, but went undiagnosed for years and, you know, in typical like crazy army training, like I had all these like bad things happening to my body, but I just sucked it up, buttercup right. and drive on, right. you know, and I'm like, I'm mm -hmm. not going to go to the doctor. Like, you know, I still have trouble going to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to ask a question. Yeah. Let's shift gears before we get back to, uh, yeah. uh to, uh, you know, the charity and, and, and the, and the warriors. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in, when you were in, in country there, how was the interaction between the you know army uh, that and the you were people? well that you were working with? I mean, when you're in you know Afghanistan, you're working with the Afghan army right. against the Taliban or, right. or whoever. Uh, you know, what was it like working with those guys? Were they straight up uh, you know stand up guys, or was there a lot of issues? Because I have I know somebody else that was in combat over there, and I've talked to them, and there was a lot of weird shit going on with the uh, with the officers sure. and and you know the the uh, and if you will enlisted men over there. I'm not sure what the uh, absolutely how they do it, but yeah. So so the Afghan culture over there, it's like rife with corruption. You know, I mean, obviously we have corruption as a problem, sure. like you know in the U.S., but like it's a way of life over there. So, like, writ large with, like, regular Army and Marine Corps units, I can see that being the case. However, with, like, the Special Ops Task Force, like, their job, the Green Berets' job, is to train not just the Afghan National Army, but their equivalent of their special forces. Right. Um, so they were called the commandos. And so you just have, like, a more elite cut of, like, these Afghan commandos. And I have a lot of respect for them because these dudes, you know, I mean, we're seeing it now with the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. Right. Wow. You know, I mean, you know, their lives are in danger. And so... These guys, you know, really put themselves and out still there. There's still quite a few there. I would yeah, yeah. Listen, there are, even though the mainstream media is not covering it, there are still Americans right. over there yeah. that have not I heard it was in, like, thousands. Yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. So, um, and I'm spacing it off the top of my head. I wish I could remember the guy's name, but um, there is another nonprofit organization. He does something called Mighty Oaks. Uh, but he he's a former Marine Corps special operator, eight tours, and he started a nonprofit after the Afghan withdrawal. And they actually went over there with a bunch of spec op veterans, and they rescued hundreds of Afghan kids and American citizens and our allies. So because our government left them behind. I heard somebody else was going in and doing that. There, there's a it? lot of people doing it. There's like Operation Pineapple, I think it was called. Um, there's like a couple other guys. But right. uh, you have all these veterans going to save those guys. They were just bypassing the regular chains of uh, they're just not using the u.s government at right. all they're like negotiating with like other like government entities in the surrounding countries and they're taking huge risks and they're going in there well that's a sad note of a commentary on our present yeah it's, ter administration. it's, it's These, terrible yeah. and listen like i so i didn't vote for him i do pray for him as a man of faith i pray for president biden that he would make wise decisions uh but on the afghanistan withdrawal i, I believe that that'll go down as one of the greatest travesties ever committed by american president you know in all of all time yeah, I mean, I I struggle with that. You know, pray for praying for him yeah. or your enemies. I struggle. Sure. I I do struggle. It's with not that. easy to do. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I pray other things to happen to them. You know, <laughs> but anyway, I, I digress. We should probably let's move on. Let's, let's move yeah, on to yeah. your organization sure. and why you started it and. Sure. What you got going on with this yeah. um, bill that you're introducing or trying to get passed, yeah, thank actually? thank you. Yeah, so, so when I came back from Afghanistan and I was diagnosed with this very serious illness, 
Uh, I was supposed to get up to one year to fight to get healthy. And this new bureaucratic organization called Defense Health Agency was created by Congress, came online on January 1st of 2018. I was diagnosed with Bichette's disease on January 2nd of 2018. So I was improperly enrolled into the medical separation process prematurely, so I didn't get the year. And then when I went to talk to the Defense Health Agency bureaucrat, uh, she had made a math mistake and thought that I had been in for three years. And I said, oh, no, ma'am, you know, I just got diagnosed. So it wasn't retroactive is what you're saying? No, yeah, well, it's not supposed to be. But, like, she just made literally a simple math mistake by misreading a note in my medical file. Mm. So I pointed it out to her. She's like, oh, you're right. You know, you shouldn't be in. And I'm like, great, then just, you know, disenroll me. And she said, I'm not going to do that. And I'm a very loquacious person. I don't have a problem with words. But I got quiet, and I'm like, what? Why not, ma'am? And she goes, because I say so, you're just a number wow. to me. That's wow. exactly what she said. And so, oh my goodness. So that that made me realize, okay, the pendulum has swung 180 <coughs> degrees the other way because since 9-11, we've had uh, less than one half of 1% of our citizenry fighting our nation's wars. And then in 2018, you know, with Defense Health Agency, they were like, you know what? We don't care about keeping like all the same troops in. We want to kick out as many people as possible. It's like going back to President Obama's sequestration, like a whole thing. So I realized, you know, in that moment, okay, if they're doing this to me, this is like a blatant wrong. How many people right. are they doing it to? Exactly. Yeah, if they're doing it yeah. to me as a field grade major, you know, with a tier one, you know, law background at Pepperdine, special ops, I'd served yeah, as a, you, you might even have some tools to defend yourself. What about it, the guy that, yeah, that doesn't it, it, have that's anything? That's exactly right. Yeah. So I so I fought hard. I served as a general's aide for three different generals, and two of them went on to become the two most powerful JAG generals in the entire army. They got promoted at the Pentagon. I met with the number two guy. They were like, we're so sorry that this is happening to you. This isn't right. But they were powerless. Like the number two JAG general in the army was powerless because Defense Health Agency had a direct line of reporting to the SECDEF. So even wow. the secretary of the army could not help me anymore. So so I was That's like. Insane. That, it's, it how is, sad, it how is insane. How sad is that? That is so sad. It is that, insane. Yeah. And I even went up all the way up the Defense Health Agency uh, chain of responsibility. And at the top there, they were also like, we're so sorry for what's happening to you. It was wrong, but they blamed the army. It's the deep state. Uh, it really yeah, is. So yeah. they, it's the deep state. So two entities pointing the finger and blame each other. So I said, there's a gap. And that's exactly, mm -hmm. you guys already hit the nail on the head. So I'm like, if they're doing this to me, what are they doing to the 19-year-old yeah. private? Well, he has no hope. So I started Arc of Justice, uh, Advocates for Wounded Warriors, launched nationally uh, with Sharon Bream, Fox News at Night on Veterans oh, Day 2019. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. Yep. So that's on the website, arcofjusticeusa.org. She was very, very gracious to me to allow us to, to launch nationally on her show. And she's been a friend since then. I've been on her podcast twice, Live in the Bream, since then to provide updates. Uh, see, and, I didn't uh, realize that she was one of the good guys I I'm a little torn on Fox, you know, because for obvious reasons. So. She, she, I will tell you, there in my book, there is nobody greater than Shannon Bream. Like, mm -hmm. and and she also has like other veterans organizations. Like, she really has a heart for the veterans and military community. Um, so I've rep so I have two prongs for Arc of Justice. I represent individual clients all on a pro bono basis. Uh, I'll never charge a wounded warrior a dime. So I've represented 52 since Vets Day 2019. Had some good news stories come out of that. 
Uh, but then that's like throwing one starfish back into the ocean at a time. Right. So I figured. So you need we, to grow this, is what you need to do. Well, I'm hoping to pass this Wounded Warrior Bill of Rights uh, because if that is passed, then the military will now regain authority over its wounded warriors and will also build an additional due process protection. So what happened to me and my 52 clients never happens again. So if that happens, then my analogy is it's a tidal wave of justice, you know, that'll sweep all the starfish back into the ocean. I mean, you got some administrative official controlling this whole thing right now it's 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 madness so the military commanders have the power and authority as we talked about earlier to send troops into harm's way to lose you know life limb eyesight and then it's crazy that like once they become a wounded warrior that military commander is stripped of all authority to care for them it's madness yeah and the you know the thing yeah. is this is not rocket science if it was it wouldn't be me leading the charge right. it's a simple problem it's a simple fix and i'm stupid enough and stubborn enough to just continue until this thing's passed because people you're, are like there's no so way to pass if, if, if getting this passed though that would help lessen the gap with the, the guys and gals that are coming back now to get the help so maybe we wouldn't the suicide rate wouldn't be so high that's exactly a great point so i call this preventative medicine thank you for asking that question so it's not going to solve the veterans homelessness problem or the 22 per day suicide epidemic but it is going to make sure it doesn't grow because right. because yeah. then they're getting treatment while they're on active duty transitioning out they become like more healthy transition veterans you know mentally emotionally physically so then they're launched into like the next phase of life at a better viewpoint yeah because they're not getting that now that's that part not, of the problem it's, that a, it's a huge 99 percent of them are not getting that transition help yeah it's and, it's a huge problem and nobody knows about it like the dha has kind of kept it quiet you know a lot of people do on the in, everybody on the inside knows i actually have a memo from all the service secretaries from the army to the space force to the secretary of defense saying defense health agency is an absolute nightmare like we need to do away with it so yeah. they right. agree but you know i i share this on a lot of podcasts you know, Defense Health Agency is the Pentagon's baby. It's like professional staff members, like the right. Swamp Gnomes, Absolutely. you know, in Congress. Right. Yeah. It's their baby. So it's like a Seinfeld episode where I'm calling their baby ugly and they just get offended. They know it's the right thing to do. They all know it. But there's money there, too. Yeah. There's I mean, money there, too. It's yeah. a $50 billion annually budgeted bureaucracy, this Defense Health Agency, over 10,000 yeah. employees. So how can beast. people help you or or what stage are you at in, in getting this bill yeah. passed or what, you know, Thank what you for asking help? That. Or? Great question. Um, so the biggest thing we need, and I used to be very hesitant to ask for this, but we just need donations. We're 501c3. It's only me and my wife right now. I'd like to hire some other staff because we are so close. So we have House Resolution 6043. It's actually in the House. It's legislation. You, you can yeah. follow it on congress.gov. You just type in HR 6043. can sign up for updates. So we actually have all the legislation, but we need to do like a public shame campaign to make sure that like everybody on the Hill and the Pentagon doesn't fight this. Because that's how it happens. You get to the one yard line and then there's like a whisper campaign, right. you know, and then they don't pass it. So well, um, we need to we need to clean the freaking house out anyway. You know, between by November, I'm hoping because it's the swamp has just gotten to the point of stupidity at this and, point. And this is something that should be a bipartisan issue. You like think. every everybody so thus far we only have a strong Republican support. And we have senior Republican support. We have Rick Scott in the Senate from Florida and then we have um 
Brian Mast, who's a congressman, wounded warrior himself from Florida, and we also have uh, Kathy McMorris Rogers, who's the fourth ranking uh, GOP, you know, in the GOP caucus. So well, maybe we get a hold of our guy here, Doug Lamoffa. That would be great. And, I've heard uh, his name a lot. Yeah, yep. and we'll see if we can get some uh, help from him. And it's as easy as literally. I mean, everything can be Googled right now. You know, so easily how to contact your congressman and senator. And all your listeners have to say is, you know, we support the Wounded Warrior Bill of Rights, HR six zero four three. I want you to co-sponsor. It. So, it's that right. easy. So we should cover the. Uh, I'm looking at the website. The five points of uh, key points of participation. Uh, y- yep. So you know, sign the petition. I guess is number one if we're going to do that. So we want people to go to uh, uh, you know at uh, uh, arcofjusticeusa.org, USA. Yeah. and uh, maybe we can put something up uh, when this thing goes. Yeah, and, uh, then, on the, and then like the second one is, do you believe in our mission? How could not anybody believe in what you're trying to accomplish? Because if you have any, so fund it. Yeah. So yeah. fund it. You yeah. Know, get some money over and it's there. And ta- it's a tax write-off. And I've been told by like all of these experts, you know, when they, they talk to me and they're like, so how much money do you have? How much staff? Like in the millions of dollars and like a staff of 20? I'm like, no. And and they say the return on investment, the ROI for what Arc of Justice has done in less than three years is unheard of. Right. You know, so, and we're doing this, this is the last thing I'll say about that, is we're doing this as a campaign plan. So I'm not looking to like five years from now still be doing Arc of Justice and fundraising. So I'm, you're going to jump into the arena is what you're saying? As far uh, as po- the- possibly. I don't know what, what, you know, God has for me, but I am going to, as soon as I'm going to worry, Bill of Rights is passed. I'm either going to shut down Arc of Justice because we're mission complete. I don't want to become a bloated nonprofit, you know, that's outlived its purpose. Right. Or I'll repurpose it. I love America. And so I might like, instead of like the subtitle of Advocates for Wounded Warriors, I might do like, you know, Reclaiming American Promise or something like that and start writing and speaking on the greatness of America right. because it's so much under attack right now and go back to I the think, wisdom of the founding fathers. I think the uh, I think the pendulum is swinging back. I agree. And I think that you're going to start seeing a lot. I mean, we've proved it here in this county with the recall. Uh, of one of our uh, boards of supervisors, but we're seeing that across yeah. the board in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different projects. Uh, people have had enough, I think, of this crap. Yeah, I agree. and what's really what I really like about this, you know, like I told you earlier, I do belong to some veterans organization. Is this is something that it benefits all veterans, right? It's not directed individually, and not to put down some organizations, but they kind of pick and choose yeah. who they help. Sure. And, and I'm not trying to badmouth them, but this is a blanket for all to, right. to uh, make that gap smaller yeah. and make their lives better for what they've done for this country. Yeah, that's right, Linda. I mean, what what I say is, if we are mission successful, then all of the other fifty five thousand veterans and military nonprofits, yeah. their jobs actually get easier. Yeah, so exactly. we 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 help them because then there's less broken, disabled veterans yeah. going out into the communities. So it's a, it, it is it's a no brainer. Yeah. Well, and I've got the email Arc of Justice USA at Reagan at Reagan dot com. Reagan dot uh, com. Yep. Uh, I've got an address. Do you have a phone number that you want to give out? No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> well, go to the website. Be, be, before we we end this session, I do want to say it was such a great pleasure to have you here. Thank you for sharing your story of all the time in service that you did for this country. Thank you. You know. I really uh, respect that, and and thank you. 
Thank you both. It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you. Very good. Absolutely. And I guess. uh, And we would love to have you back in the future and give us updates. Anytime. And I I need to get your contact information directly. So I, um, like we talked earlier, I will give you you my phone number, Linda. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Maybe we can get a t shirt made for the next time Stones of Iron or something, you know, and put a logo on the back. I don't know. We'll have to ask Uh, Terry about that. Yeah, we got to give Terry Terry a shout out. If you're Jag, you know, you have no brain, you jump from planes or something, you know? I think I like Terry's nickname better. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, All right, well I, I thanks guess, again. I guess, and I would uh, love to meet your wife sometime. Yeah, absolutely. And I saw her picture, and I, I can tell why he said he, he, uh, he bought up. Yeah, so she keeps getting more and more beautiful while I degrade, you know, as the, as the years oh, yeah, going. Like two, going in different directions. Two beautiful uh, girls, it looks like, too. Yeah, I do. I'm a blessed man. All right, so You're let's a beautiful see. Person. I guess uh, we'll end it uh, in, uh, for this week. And as always, government is not reason. It is not eloquence. It is force, and force like fire is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. And um, we'll I guess uh, that's all for this uh, episode. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Will. Thank you. Yep. You bet.